Hello and welcome to Coffee with Your Therapist podcast. This is the podcast where we talk with people in the therapy field about their careers, their work and the music they like all in 20 minutes. This episode we talk with Dr. Fiona Weldon, who's a great guest. She covers a wide range of topics from stories we tell ourselves, what your edge is, her experience in the area of forensic psychology and the impact of COVID on, well, just about everybody. We finish off with a talk about music and Fiona's special relationship with music. The podcast is sponsored by MindGuard, who are bringing artificial intelligence technology to help therapists and their clients. Enjoy. You're, you're like me, you're a piano player. So I am. Um, let's get I, onto that later. That's really going to be a great conversation. <laughs> nice. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So uh, yeah, so you yeah you, you were saying you, you you've done a lot of different things in the world of uh, psychotherapy. So I was, can you just sort of give the layman like me uh, uh, some idea of what the, the areas you've been in? The the areas of work, I suppose. Well, well, my story probably started in terms of into psychology around leaving search year. I was kind of thinking about what will I do. There was a few different areas that I was interested in. I thought about maybe law or journalism, you know, like like most people, what do we do? But I suppose I was very drawn also to psychology. <clears throat> and I did a very um, general arts degree, of which psychology was one, one subject. And I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I was always very interested in, I suppose, the in, in individual individual stories and mm-hmm. how individuals interpreted their own stories. And... I was always very curious about how some people seemed to to kind of balance themselves quite well, to bounce back from things that would have knocked others, you know, sideways. I just those individual differences um, and motivations and things like that. So as I started studying, I just I suppose my my interest deepened. Um, I I really took to it. Um, and so I stayed with it. I did um, my my arts degree was quite a general degree. Um, I did a, a postgrad in psychology after that, and then I went straight into a master's in counselling psychology, where I really feel I very much cut my teeth and found my yeah, this is where I I need to be. Mm. You said um, you said something interesting there, Fiona. You said the stories we tell ourselves, and that's sort of a very telling thing to say, isn't it? I mean. I guess just sort of like, you know, even in my own life, sometimes things are going along and I'm telling myself things are going great. And then probably not much difference. Another time later, I'll be telling th- things aren't going that great. It's sort of funny the uh, how you sort of um, inadvertently almost make yourself, I won't say happy or sad, but what I mean is just how, how you react to it. Yeah, um, and, and and I think that's that's really important because it really gets to... Uh, I suppose the core of be- the beginnings of looking at what I call your edge, you know, the, the edge of your awareness or um, the edge of your own understanding of, of yourself. You know, what is it today in this moment that makes me feel wobbly or low or upset or anxious or angry or guilty or, you know, what am I touching into there that maybe at, at another moment I mightn't be aware of. So mm-hmm. there's something about growth in awareness that has always interested and fascinated me and how we're more open to those moments depending on certain conditions. And some of those conditions include, how am I in myself? Mm -hmm. And if you're doing better, you're always more able for Mm -hmm. a little more because growth can be quite painful. 
Uh, yeah, when you say edge, do you mean your sort of a self-image or your conscious moment at that time? Is 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 that what you mean? I suppose when I say edge, I'm talking about um, <clears throat> more the edge of your awareness, maybe. Mm. You know, we, we, we all have this self that we, we have a, a specific, I suppose, knowledge of at any given time. And, and there's a boundary around that. And I think that boundary is something that, well, depending on which model you're, you're, you're talking about or which theoretical model you're talking about, you know, that can be called an edge, I suppose. It's a boundary, mm. but that's a, that's a sort of a dynamic boundary. So the unconscious and the conscious mind can move that edge to allow more in. Um, and I suppose it's in that space that that's one way of thinking about how change happens for all of us. Yeah, that's really a very interesting way. I hadn't thought of thinking of it in that, in that way. So, you know, you can see your insights there. Um, and I, I was looking at your CV, and like this is a really stupid question, uh, but you had um, ex- you've been a forensic psychologist. Is this sort of crime fiction stuff, or what is what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I I was so interested in my own kind of learning. I suppose the more you learn, well, certainly for me, the more I learned in this area of psychology. It's it's such a vast you know subject, um. So I studied counselling psychology and and then I did my doctorate in clinical psychology uh, and my thesis was in the area of forensic and forensic psychology. So I specialised after my training in forensic psychology as well. Um, And forensic psychology is, it's very much about, uh, I suppose, the law. So psychology and how it's applied to the legal system. Um, So in Ireland, you know, forensic psychology is very much, you know, um, working with those who perhaps have been in prison or are are in prison, those who have become forensically or sorry, psychiatrically unwell whilst they become, whilst they've been incarcerated. Um, It is the psychology of crime. Sometimes it's about um, profiling. For me, a lot of the work that I still do to this day is around risk assessments, so sexual violence or general violence risk assessments. Um, I would do a lot of uh, pre-trial assessments, um, looking at maybe mitigating factors for crimes or understanding the psychological profile of a particular index offence. So the index offence is the crime for which somebody is charged with or convicted with. Mm. Um, so that kind of thing. So understanding um, the profile of the crime of the person who maybe commits a crime. Right. Is that that must be very difficult to you know who can say what I'll do next year you know personally. It must be very difficult to try and assess risk on somebody. I mean, is there is there models or what is there practices or how how do you do it? You know. Yeah. So so well, risk assessment is a is a is a, again a very specialist area. Um, we use particular tools to assess risk, and that's based on just the evidence that we know uh, factors that contribute to kind of what we call static and dynamic risk factors so there are factors that you know historically that don't change and that we know contribute to somebody's risk for committing violence or acting in a violent or aggressive way or indeed committing sexual violence um so those factors coupled with dynamic factors the dynamic factors are things that we we can have an influence over things that aren't you know aren't always stable they can change over time so things like um, relationship breakdown mm-hmm. um, how socially isolated a person is um, how their mental health status is um, yeah. how yeah. engaged with services they are you know that kind of thing okay so okay. that's just one one area 
that I that I work a lot with and, and I also do a lot of work with uh, family law cases so I do a lot of work with um, what we call section 42 or section 32 32 um, case reports so they're where a family a family perhaps is in need of um, custody and access evaluation where marriages maybe broke down um, yeah. parenting capacity assessments that kind of thing so okay and you you run your own business now I do so I mean I was I was in I worked in the central mental hospital for probably about six years and then I um I went to the Rutland Centre where I was the clinical director and CEO there for probably about six years as well. And then I went into um, consultancy really at that stage. And mm. I um, I began a company called Leeward Clinical a number of years ago. Um, and we focus on sort of the therapeutic aspect of psychological care. And then the work that I primarily do now is the um, court work and the family law kind of work, yeah. Okay, okay. And the, you, they can, uh, anyone who's interested in contact you on LinkedIn or, I guess? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, okay. I love, yeah. Okay. And what, what do you think, um, I mean, this is a big question and I don't, I don't really have any, I'm more in the learning mode here, is, you know, are we getting better in Ireland at our mental health or is it, are we actually just finding out we're bad at it and we're getting worse at it, should we say? I mean, what's your feeling about the general state of, people's mental health how what how they do to improve it and so on what, what's your sort of maybe even advice in the, in the whole area I, I mean I think having come through a very difficult two and a half years uh, for for those that I've seen in that space of time I think a lot of people are really struggling mm. um, I think I suppose if I start with that piece, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a huge, I would call it an epidemic of uh, anxiety in our young people. Um, I think there's a huge amount of struggle with social isolation. There's been factors there for pre-pandemic that I think haven't helped at all. Um, so things like our, our our huge use of social media, you know, the the even the awareness of the word detoxing and try, trying to detox from social media and coming away from, I think for young people, you know, they have found it very difficult to, to maintain social skills through, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of change in how we live our lives. I think that's probably contributed to the amount of anxiety and depression that we're seeing in our young people. Um, obviously I think there's been a huge amount of loss uh, and bereavement and there's been financial pressures there's been pressures therefore on relationships on families on you know there's a huge amount of challenge out there at the moment are we a little bit more aware of you know what the words mental mm -hmm. health and what that means you know um i i think we're 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 maybe a little better at knowing what depression is, what anxiety is, those things, um, at recognizing those things. And maybe the focus has to be around, you know, what's, whatever about what some, when something is wrong or imbalanced in us, what about naming, how do we know when it's, when it's right? So how do we know mm. what mental health itself is? How do we know when we're, you know, when we're more resilient in ourselves, when we, um when we have more in the tank shall we say yeah, yeah, you know yeah. um and how to and how to get ourselves there i think that's really important too okay that's really interesting i mean you're saying a lot of things there that 
my own observation of the world is, I, I mean, I do a, um, do a little bit of work with um, um, a deaf charity and I was talking to someone involved with deaf teenagers and they said that when, and I think this is true of all teenagers, but the way it was explained to me was deaf teenagers tend to be, have enough social interaction issues overcoming their deafness. But after a period of isolation, uh, this woman who's an expert in this, noticed how much more uh, regressed, uh, you know, in terms of social skills, these teenagers were. And, I, I, you know, I just had to agree with her. I just felt it's been tough probably on the young and the old. Um, I mean, everyone's suffered, but uh, it's been tough on the young and the old. And, um, you know, guys like me are basically unsociable anyway. It didn't really make that much difference. But, but like, <laughs> I'm being facetious. But, um, you know, it was, she it concurred with what you just said there. It was sort of, you know, those years when you're supposed to develop socially, this being set back a year or two, effectively. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and I think you're right that, you know, it it has affected our younger generations, our older generations, has affected everybody and in in between, you know, in different ways. Um, You know, but I I think there's something about, for me, it's, 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 there's always, there's always a real, um, I suppose, learning, I think, in when I work with people, when they begin to recognize that, you know, it's okay to be down, it's okay to be feeling guilty or angry or upset, I suppose, being able to validate themselves in their own experience, I suppose, guiding them in the process um, of integrating more of themselves. Um, in a way that they can validate themselves more um, that they can um, respond internally in ways that are kinder um, which would you get and, and it doesn't mean always letting yourself off the hook you know mm-hmm. so there's, mm-hmm. there's 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 that you know it's not about always letting yourself off the hook but it is always about bringing some kind of self-compassion to moments because yeah. kind of all we have are moments you know the past is gone it can always impact on us. The future hasn't happened yet. And yet we, we tend a lot of our times to be living in one of those spaces. The yeah, past, yeah, for sure. Sorry, yeah. the past or the future. And we find it much more difficult to live in the present. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, you know, wellness channels and, and things like that, all about kind of living in the moment, living in the present. But actually, it's quite a difficult thing to do. It's, it is, There's yeah. a difference between intellectually knowing what that means on paper or as you're listening to it and translating that into into practice into mm. what does that mean for me and how i am right now and what i need right now that's really fascinating fiona you can see your experience there and like a lot of what you say is sort of in one sense common down to earth sense but uh, it's very difficult to achieve in everyday life so um, and you have a, an interesting hobby, which overlaps with a hobby I have. So you play piano, I understand. I do. And you, more than that, you actually sing, apparently. Yeah. A, a, little, a little bird told me you sang. Okay. Her name, her name is Adele. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, did you do yeah. And you, you write songs as well. I, 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 I do, I do. Um, it's something I've done probably since I was about eight or nine. Um, wow, wow. I always had a 
you know, a love of singing and, and music in general, all, all types of music, all, all, you know, uh, all genres, but I've been writing since I was very young. Um, and probably in the work that I do, it has very much helped me in that journey to kind of keep myself sane <laughs> and balanced whenever I felt not, you know, or, or needed some kind of nourishment. So it's been a very nourishing thing for me to do that. Um, so I, I've spent a lot of time in studio and certainly in, in the later years of my life, I mean, I went back to, to BIM and did, um, did a songwriting kind of program there. And so, you, you know, I've done quite a few gigs and, you wow. know, re released kind of music. I released music here and there. Um, yeah, it's just something I love to do. What, yeah. sort, what sort of uh, music would you describe your own music in any particular again different genres some so some of them are instrumental pieces some of them are i've released a pop track about a year ago um some of it is um more cinematic kind of style so lots of different yeah different. yeah well it's on this podcast you get to uh, nominate the play out song but uh yeah before we get to that there was um it's it also it's also coffee with your therapist so are you a coffee person fiona you know what? I'm not, and I'm 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 not a coffee or a tea person. I and I think it stems from me disliking milk. So I never. <laughs> I, I I'm the most un-Irish person. I feel completely chocolate <laughs> on what? the edge. It's like me yeah. not liking Guinness. That's <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly. It's like that. No, I didn't know. I don't, my husband uh, is a coffee connoisseur. You know, he he grinds his own beans, and it's a total science, and it is an absolute mystery to me. All of it. Um, no, the smell of coffee makes me gag. Literally. Oh really? Wow! Well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Now, so, I've become addicted to it over the lockdown. We got a fancy <laughs> machine, and I pretend to be a barista. But yeah. so, so on the play out song, do you have anything in mind, uh, Fiona? You'd like to play? There was, you know, I, I've been listening to a lot of in instrumental stuff recently. But actually, I heard a new track um, by a, by a band called Oh Wonder, and I think it's a lovely, delicate track, and it's called Magnificent. It's a new release. Um, and it, I think it is actually that little reminder that there's, there's always extraordinary in the ordinary. Okay, well, we'll put that up. And would you like, and I'm inviting you, would you like to put a, one of your own pieces up? Okay, wasn't going to do that, but... Um... No, no, please do, because obviously you've intrigued everybody now. And so Have I, right. Uh, right, well, will, will I go for the pop track then or something more Whatever cinematic? you like, and tell mm. us why you like it. Why I like it. Uh, okay, well, Little Kisses is a track of mine, and it's it's great name. Hmm. Great name. Yeah, it's called Little Kisses, and and it, it was actually about um, you know again those little moments so that 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 make everything okay. Okay, that's brilliant, Fiona. Thanks, really. Uh, I found that really fascinating, Fiona. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Suddenly I see what my future could have been if I hadn't 
Strangers, we would be strangers.